We have, you know, here at the church, we have the London, second London uh, Baptist Confession of Faith. It was published in 1689. In the larger church, in the universal church, we also have other uh, creeds and confessions, don't we? Uh, You've probably been in churches, maybe a a Presbyterian church. uh, We had a discussion about, and they'll uh, recite the Apostles' Creed or there's one called the Athanasian Creed. And this is, of course, you are so excited, right? Because this is everybody's favorite topic, the hypo-what? Yeah. Well, it's the hypostatic union. And what it is, basically, is the relationship between the two natures of Christ. And it's, it's based upon our conception of the Trinity. If we don't have a, a, a really good foundation of the Trinity, then we're going to be off when we talk about the two natures of Christ. And what I tried to show here is that <clears throat> the Trinity is basically three persons in unity. And when... Christ was in, uh, came to the, in flesh in the incarnation. We've got to remember who he was. And so, like I said, a little bit of history. Way before we became, came along, back in the year 451, you can look, I think it's on your handout. It's not in any particular order. The Council of, uh, the Council of Chalcedon was the fourth ecumenical council In 451 AD, leaders from all Christendom gathered to define the incarnation of Christ once for all. Well, it's not really once for all because all through the ages of church history, there's been debates about it and things like that. But that was their hope that there were people that were uh, either denying uh, what the church had taught, the universe, it's true church, not just a Roman Catholic church. And uh, or adding things that were not scriptural. Uh, Even at the time, uh, shortly after the apostles, uh, men were wondering, uh, some Christians were having a hard time reconciling the divinity of Christ and the humanity of Christ. And in in our Christian life, we have these tensions, don't we? Uh, Pastor Ken taught us about the uh, sovereignty of God on the one hand, and uh, responsibility of man on the other. Well, when it comes to the, uh, the natures of Christ, we have a tension between the divinity and his humanity. And how are we supposed to understand this? And uh, this is one of the goals. On your handout, we have, uh, like I say, the hypo-what is everyone's favorite subject, it's really about the hypostatic union. And uh, hypostatic, we think, if you ever, with your kids in homeschool, you said, did that experiment where you took a, a, the balloon and rubbed it on their head and then their hair stands up? Uh, that's, that's not the static we're talking about. <laughs> hypostatic, this is the first part, but it actually comes from a Greek word, 
we, we call it hypostatic, but that's like a transliteration. It's hupo, and let me know if, if I'm re- getting it big enough where he can read it. So you, hupo, stasis. Hypostasis. And if you look in your Bibles at Hebrews uh, 1 3, I think it is, uh, we've read that. It talks about how Jesus is the uh, shining image of God's nature. Well, the word for that's translated in our English Bibles for nature is this one called hypostasis. So as I'm. Uh, Finishing up this here, we, we see there's Father, Son, Holy Spirit in the Trinity because there's three persons. Now, we don't want to take and transfer that down to the hypostatic union the, in the incarnation. What you see is the Son is not two persons or three persons. He's how many persons? One, but he has two natures, the human or the divine. That doesn't look very good. The divine and the human. Now, what happens is we can think that <clears throat> Jesus came down. He was wherever, uh, Ken's been teaching us, wherever God is, we, we say he's up here, we say heaven, but this is divine. All three of these persons are divine persons. They're all God. Um, when uh, you're a friend may come to your door and you ask him, well, who's Jesus? We believe in Jesus. You do? Yeah. Well, is he God? Yeah, he's God, but he's not the almighty God. And they'll say, well, you ask him, who is he? Well, the father, Yahweh, uh, created the son. So he's a God, but he's a lesser God. Well, that was a Trinitarian thing that, that the church had to work out. And theologians, we say all three are persons, but this is all one essence, all one being. We don't say there's three gods because Christians are monotheists, right? And so there's three persons, but one being, one God. And so every one of these people have all the same divine attributes. And so, like, what, what are the divine attributes? Uh, we say God is all-knowing. That's his uh, omniscience. We say he's omnipresent. That's God's uh, immensity in everywhere. Uh, David says, regardless of where I go, there you are. So... Try not to think of this 
as a location or space because the divine uh, persons are not limited to any particular uh, spatial location. But then, all of a sudden, when Jesus is born in the manger, and we see that person encased in flesh there, called the incarnation, enfleshment, we might in our minds think, okay, this divine person left where he was, heaven, and came down to earth. But that would be incorrect. Because who... Who was the one that became incarnated? The Son. And the Son has divine attributes of immutability. He never changes. So in the incarnation, there was no change. Uh, So there's some takeaways. If you look at your handout, there's uh, four main things that we want to uh, take away which is very important. One, Jesus is God. We knew that. Also, Jesus is man. He has a real body. And I left on your handout a little space you could put. Jesus is how many persons? One person. Yeah, it's not two persons in one. Jesus is one person, but Jesus has two natures. Um, There's a um, very well-known professor. He's taught at Westminster Seminary, and uh, now he's at Grove City College. And his incoming freshmen, he asked them, and these come from uh, well-known good churches, and he'll say, how many natures does Christ have? And a lot of times they're just, well, one. He's one person. He's got one nature. And so then he has to go through and teach and uh, show. So in order to uh, have an orthodox doctrine of Christ, we must affirm all four of these uh, items. Jesus is God. Jesus is man. One person, the, the Son does not send the Father The Holy Spirit doesn't send the Father, but the Father sends the Son, and that's where we get this hypostasis idea. And um, so in these takeaways, I said, Jesus is... This may sound a little bit odd to you, but I think so far what we've said, you'll, you'll see the reasoning behind it. Jesus is not a human person. He is a divine person who has two natures, both a human nature and a divine nature. Is there any questions so far? Am I making sense or just muddying the waters for everybody? Um, Now, as I'm uh, doing this, finishing up this diagram, I'm going to draw over here something that maybe Pastor Steve or Pastor Ken might know. Does that look anything like a Hebrew letter, Pastor Steve? 
our Greek lettering, uh, Pastor Ken. Uh, I, I'm glad you didn't say it, it matched up to any because it is. It's a light switch. And now, remember this. The human in divine nature is in Christ. There's no on-off switch. So how do we determine when we read our scriptures, whether we're talking about the divine uh, nature and will, or the human nature or the human will? Uh, It's very important. Uh, Go listen to Pastor Steve's sermon. All of our sermons are on sermon audio. And Pastor preached through Matthew. And the one verse there, it's kind of troubling at times, when Jesus was talking, and uh, he says, uh, No man knows the day or the hour of the coming of the Son of Man. And some translations read, uh, not, Nor the Son, nor the angels. So, knowing what we know about the Trinity and the hypostatic union so far, what would you say Jesus is speaking about? Is, does the divine nature know everything? Isn't the divine nature uh, omniscient? So, Jesus wouldn't have been speaking about uh, God, the divine nature, not knowing his own return. He'd be speaking about the human nature. So that helps us to keep these uh, theological categories. Uh, And interesting, so also think of it this way. Not only is uh, Jesus' two natures, one, the divine nature, when when was God created? God was never created. So, was the Son ever created? No. So, the divine nature was never created. But, what about the human nature? When, when did the human nature come into being? At the incarnation. In the conception, in the conception of Christ in the womb of Mary. Very good. So, <clears throat> you've probably seen this. When you're talking to somebody or fellowshipping, 100% God, 100% man. And we do uh, a lot of times, and we should, it's proper to say the God-man. Can everybody read that okay in my chicken scratch? But I, I don't think this is helpful. Because we're Christians, we don't believe in uh, contradictions, do we? There's a law called the law of non-contradiction. You can't have two things that are the same in the same way and be the same. So if we say 100% God, what's left? Nothing. You can't have 100% God and 100% man. What in our minds that comes out to, we're trying to to figure it in our minds, 50-50. 50-50, but that's not 
that's not accurate theologically or biblically. So what we try to say, and what the, the creeds and confessions that uh, summarize our theology and, and things for us, they said, truly God and truly man, or uh, fully God and fully man. Any questions? Brother Brennan. I don't think so, like, like this here, because uh, we don't believe that God is contradictory, do we, uh, against logic? Jeff? Right. There could be, yeah, there could be overlap. And like uh, Brandon says, are we talking about from God's perspective or our perspective? This is from our perspective, what he's revealed to us, what he said to us in our word. And we, uh, a lot of people don't like theology or philosophy because they think it's speculation. So is this speculation or is this revealed in God's word? Is it just trivia and minutiae? You have your opinion, I have my opinion. No. Uh, turn in your Bibles to John 17.3. And listen carefully to these words from Jesus from John 17. John 17 says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and know Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. John 17, 3. How important is knowing Jesus Christ, who he is? So when, when we participate in the Lord's Supper and shortly... And we're instructed, do this in remembrance of me. Are we doing that in remembrance of just a human person that lived 2,000 years ago? Or are we doing it in remembrance of the divine human person that was the Son of God in flesh at that time through the miracle of the incarnation. The latter, isn't it? How important is this then? Is, like I say, is it just speculation or is it something that we, we don't really have to worry about? The implications of the inner incarnation to the Lord's Supper are huge, really huge. Each time we're obedient to the command do you do this in remembrance of me? Our answers are affecting whether Jesus had the power to forgive sins. Remember when the, the people came to Jesus Christ and they saw him uh, healing the people, but also he would say, take up your bed and walk. Your sins have been forgiven you. And they said, what? who can forgive sins but God only? 
And they were right, weren't they? So we have to know when he forgave sin, it wasn't his human nature authority. It was his divine because he was the only begotten son of God. Without a real human body, could he really die? When Jesus died on the Father, <laughs> died on the Father, died on the cross, did the Father die? No, the Holy Spirit didn't die. The Son died, but he did, the, whole, the uh, divine Son, God didn't die. He wasn't crossed out like this somehow, and then all of a sudden the Trinity was broken. That, that wasn't the case. When Jesus was on the cross, his last, near his last words, he says, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. I probably mispronounced it wrong. Uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Who was saying that? Was the Son of God saying that to God the Father? No. That was the human nature, as Pastor Steve said many times, the hu- that was the perfect answer, the hu- perfect reply of the human nature. He doesn't say, uh, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me in the Trinity? He's speaking as the man, a true man, saying, my God, my God, which was him, his God too, why have you forsaken me? And there was a purpose because not only with this real human body could he really die, if he didn't die, guess what? The wages of sin were, remained unpaid. Look in your uh, copies of the scriptures to Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If there wasn't any sin debt, then Jesus wouldn't have had to die. Uh, Also, 1 Corinthians 15, 17, he didn't just die, he had to be resurrected because 1 Corinthians 15 says, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and you are still in your sins. Now we're running out of time. We've got to have time for uh, communion and uh, our break before the worship service. But uh, when uh, Pastor Steve was preaching through Matthew in 24, verse 36, he says that... Um, When Jesus says he doesn't know the time, we have to keep in mind he's talking from his human nature viewpoint. And uh, Steve mentions this creed, the Council of Chalcedon. And let me read you a little bit uh, from what the, the Council of Chalcedon said. And this is... uh, really important and uh, a third point that uh, we want to remember is when Jesus was incarnated uh, he did not change 
He did not lay aside. He didn't veil. He didn't set aside any divine attributes. We talked about that. He still is forgiving sins. He is everywhere present. He's all-knowing. And sometimes we get in our mind, well, he changed. Here he's divine, but here he's not divine. But this uh, uh, was not affected. There was no change. He's still the divine person in a fully human body with a human soul and mind and will. And so let me uh, reiterate what Chalcedon says. And you can go online or look up these uh, reference documents. The same Christ, Son, Lord, only begotten, acknowledged in two natures, which undergo no confusion, no change, no division, no separation. At no point was their difference between the natures taken away. Through the union, but rather the property of both natures is preserved and comes together in one single person. And for further study, uh, there's a uh, online by uh, theologian Mark Jones, and he worked with a brother who has a real popular uh, Website, it's called chalice.com, and I've got the link there for you. What you can do is, it's, it, you don't have to sign up for anything. All you do is have to click, and there's 30 different questions about the Christology. Theology is the study of God, and Christology is about the incarnation, the atonement, and all of that. And uh, also, there's some good books. Uh, Linda recommended a book by Mark Jones called Knowing Christ, and that's if you want to go into real deeper, and uh, you can avail yourselves of that. And also, I plan to, I have a lot of other quotes from some of the old uh, saints of the church, Athanasius, Cyril, uh, different people. And if you follow me on Facebook, uh, not a promotion, self-promotion. Uh, but follow me on Facebook, and I'm going to be posting a lot of these uh, wonderful quotes that talk more about that. Well, a Reformed Baptist brother of ours said this, and then we'll be able to close so I don't get accused of uh, stealing time. The human nature of Jesus is presently localized in heaven. It remains in perfect union with his divine nature. Though the human nature is contained in one place, the person of Christ is not so contained because his divine nature still has the power of omnipresence. Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 20. Wherever the divine nature of Christ is present, he is truly present. And why is this so important? The Lord's Supper, communion. 
whenever the divine nature of Christ is present, he is truly present. Amen? By meeting him, by his coming in the Lord's Supper, we commune with him. By meeting us in his divine presence, we look at the the elements and they're a memorial. They they don't like the Roman Catholic or Lutheran uh, transubstantiate. They don't turn into the body and blood of Christ. But, brothers and sisters, remember, by meeting us in his divine presence, we are brought into his human presence in a mystical way because his divine nature is never separated from his human nature. The divine nature leads us to the ascended Christ. And in the Lord's Supper, we have a taste of heaven. Amen. Thank you for your kind attention.